Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast, the follow-up on the PSYOP document that my buddy, Big Brody Bruce, shared with me. And this was a fun one, man. Um, A really, really in-depth thing. I meant to actually release this episode earlier, um, but I was sick. You know, if you listen to the podcast, you know I got sick for like really like two weeks, but you know, we're through it now. And and man, it was just a, a tough little time. I got behind on a lot of stuff as far as the podcast goes, but you know, we're on the other side we're going to keep rocking. And um, I actually just spoke with Susan Bradford and that's going to be the next episode. If you're a Patreon subscriber over at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast, I'm going to sort of uh, break down a little bit about the Hindu religion and why some people that lean more towards Western religion feel that it is a demonic religion. Um, I will say I agree with that statement. Um, Doesn't mean that I want anything bad to happen to Hindus, but Hinduism and Buddhism is a religion of the elite. Um, There are a few other religions that are involved there too. But, um, you know, Susan Bradford is a very, very well-researched individual, and she is she admits that she's not an expert on Hinduism, but she talks about how these religions are very, very interesting. And when you have people like Tulsi Gabbard and Kamala Harris tied in with Hinduism, it's something that we got to look into. Um, we talk about Ron DeSantis. We talk about Donald Trump. We talk about other politicians. And then, you know, we just kind of go all over the place. It was one of my favorite episodes. I was looking so much forward to talking with her. And so that will be coming up next. We're going to really be kind of putting up some some crazy stuff here. I say we for some reason. It's me, just me. So uh, I'll be putting out some crazy shit here with my great, great guests in every other episode. Uh, Jason, my buddy Colorado Dank, joins in on that episode because he's very critical of Hinduism. And, um, you know, again, it's just a fun one. So look forward to that. And the reason that I mentioned Patreon is because I'm going to be doing a rant, um, kind of breaking down the foundations of my new research um, into Hinduism and why it's such a weird little deal. But that's not this episode. This episode is following up on the seven phases of a PSYOP according to the army. Um, we covered the first three together on this one, me and Brody Bruce, and then uh, we go through the final four in this one. Um, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, you're not going to hear all four uh, of the, the final part. We talk about the first one, and then we get into a really interesting spiritual sort of journey that this dude was on. It kind of came out of left field, but I just wanted to 
to leave it in because it was so great. It's kind of one of those just organic things that happen. So that was a really, really cool thing. And I appreciate him for being so open and sharing that. Um, but yeah, let's roll into the episode, guys. You know that I have uh, the website, dangerousworldstore.com. And then, of course, I've been working with Operation Tinfoil, um, wheretinfoil.com. Go to that website, buy the EMF line. You know, it's all it's going to protect you from the harmful waves that come from EMF, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, 5G, all that stuff. You got silver lining in the beanie. It's awesome, dude. I freaking love that hat. I wear it all the time. And uh, even though it's getting warm, I'll still wear that thing in the morning here in Tucson, Arizona, man. I love it. So um, it's not going to warm up in a lot of the country. So buy one of these things, man. Support the company. It's a new thing. And he's going to be working on some other products, too. So um, I'm just really honored to work with a small American company like that and uh, and and get some of that cool stuff out there. Someone that's like minded, you know what I mean? Someone that just thinks that the products that are out there just aren't that great. Not even in this field, just in general, you know, clothing on the big scale of things is just garbage. And the politics behind them are very, very anti what you think. Um, Doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, you just probably want freedom. If you're listening to this show and you're probably more libertarian or just independent or, you know, not Republican or Democrat, we'll say that. Um, so support these kinds of companies, man. Um, it's a very, very inexpensive hat for what it is. And you'll get $10 off if you go to wear tinfoil.com. So check it out. Honored again to work with them. Let's roll into this part two of the PSYOP series that I'm doing. This is the final part of this. And uh, thank you. Uh, Brody Bruce, you know who you are, dude. Uh, thank you for sharing this with me and uh, sending me down a rabbit hole, man. There is two shirts that are uh, going to be put on the website. Again, I fell behind in work uh, with the podcast, but there's two shirts that are PSYOP themed that will be on DangerousWorldStore.com. If you're interested, if you kind of just want to support the movement and educate people on what PSYOPs are, uh, this is a fun way to do it. So thank you for everyone that's listening. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for leaving reviews. Those are free ways that you can support the show. And guys, enjoy this episode with me and Brody Bruce on PSYOPs Part 2. All right, guys. I have Brody Bruce back here for the second installment of the nice little PSYOP doc, military document that we've been going through. And the first time we covered the first three phases out of seven, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Yep, we did three out of the seven. Nice. Yeah, dude. So what's what's new since uh, we spoke last, man? We were trying to get this thing going for a little while now, and we just could not make it happen. Mostly on my end, to be honest. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. How you been? <laughs> Good, man. I'm doing great. I think we came down with the sickness, but uh, we, we came through it. Yeah, dude, how did it feel? Did you feel real fucked up for a little while or did was it just kind of an easy thing? Because I was sicker than shit, man. It was weird. Mine was more just like tiredness, man. Like I was just super weak and tired all the time for about three, four days. Okay. Then we were good to go after that. It was your uh was your family sick too, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, they the wife uh the wife got a little one. No, wife, yeah, she had it too. Same thing, a couple days. No, huh. she was better. We load up. We load up though on the vitamin D and zinc and all that stuff. Yeah, and don't you take? Uh, do you take the Z stack stuff, like the quercetin and all that other shit? 
Uh, Z stack. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Vitamin D, three, zinc. I think it pretty much delivers the zinc in the cells. Yeah. Nice. Well, dude, I, I need to get on something, man. Because, yeah, that thing really kicked my ass. And I'm way too young for for that to be the situation there. But um, just to kind of give everybody a refresher on what we went through on the first one um kind of talked about um you know brody bruce's little past here right i mean you have a military history military background and um you you've been through it with the military it wasn't just a desk job that you had and nothing against anyone with desk jobs but you know you were out in the field in the theater of operations so to speak which was a new term i didn't know what the hell that was i actually thought that it was just you know theater um but, you know, you're out there and you're doing this stuff and you sent me this document. Um, you weren't involved with psychological operations that you know of, from my understanding. But, I mean, it is, you know, always really interesting when you get somebody that potentially works side by side with these people. Because these guys are pretty deep cover uh, more times than not, right? I mean, the the different battalions of the psychological operations, which we went through in the first episode. Again, if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. But we went through the first three phases, the first one being the planning, which is pretty self-explanatory. The second phase being the target audience analysis. So trying to learn the backgrounds of the target demographic that you are uh, trying to change the behavior of or the thought process of. And then the final aspect that we left off on the uh, phase three was series development. And that was, as I kind of mentioned, you know, a lot of paperwork and really when the planning sort of intensifies um, and and then you move into phase four, which is product development and design. Um, that is an interesting little thing. I'm going to share with you the, um, the little images here because, dude, this is it seems like this is the merch part of it this is when they start getting merchandise involved right and they start really showing uh just a lot of different ways that you can hack into the way that people think and it's uh it's a dark little thing dude what were your thoughts on uh on phase four if you remember any of it it kind of uh looks and reminds me of like a marketing or sales type thing you know what i mean like same type of thing that they're using in the civilian world for marketing yeah well yeah dude and that's that's the whole point is that a lot of us here in the United States, even if we are kind of familiar with psychological operations, we think that it's mostly being used against the enemy, right? We don't really realize that it's fully in use for us here in, you know, just domestic citizens. So that's what's kind of scary, dude. And then you start seeing like a lot of uh, the repetition with BLM and all these other groups, dude. So I'm scrolling up to the uh, top of phase four. This document, dude, every time I look at it, it trips me out how fucking deep it is. Um, I want to read through just the introduction of it. It's very short here, but phase four of the PSYOP process is guided by planning, kind of like phase three. Target audience analysis, or TAA, and series development to conceptualize the development product prototypes that are tailored for affecting behavior change in specified target audiences, or TAs. Documents from phase two and phase three um, aid in the development of product and action worksheets, or PAWs. PAWs guide product conceptualization and design and provide the framework for pre-test and post-test questionnaires. 
So again, it's a continuation of um, phase two and phase three. And this is when you start getting, like I said, merch. It's very, very weird how they talk about these different aspects of it. Um, there's a really good example in here too. Like if you're going through a title screen on like a news program, they do shot descriptions and like a documentary, right? Shot description, title screen, and they show how to parallel park. This is just the example listed in the documentary. Um, but they go as deep as like showing the transition in um, the video images, the transition out, and the estimated time of the take. So in this case, it'd be seven seconds for a title screen. And it just rolls through essentially uh, what you would be seeing in this piece of propaganda. Um, that's an interesting little kind of take on it for sure. Um, this right here was where they break everything down. So the product action worksheet, you've got what? 10 steps here? No, you got 11 steps. So step one, you go product action number. That's just showing where you're at. Step two, the PSYOP objective or the PO, um, which in this example, it's reduced the effectiveness of the insurgency. Um, step three, PSYOP objective, um, which, you know, it kind of just builds off of the whole, um, the PO from the top. Then uh, series disseminated product. And you just get more and more serial numbers that go into, uh, you know, the, the specific type of how this, you know, what what this is actually looking at. Right. Um, then target audience, which in this case, it's parents of young XX children in XX. XX meaning like this is, you know, the parents of these type of children in this area. Um, it's like the, the variable. Right. Um, yeah. Fill in the blank. Yeah, exactly. PSYOP argument and uh, symbols. So, you know, that's kind of self-explanatory. Step seven in this is media description, um, which this is kind of actually interesting. In this uh, example, they have 8.5 inch by 5.5 inch two-sided handbill on 20 pound bond paper. Uh, the product, let me see, my screen is blocking this here. Uh, the product will be produced by an con a contracted facility that has four color capability, which is interesting because actually like when I print my shirts, I, when I'm doing screen printing, I only have four color capability too. So I just kind of thought uh -oh. that was a little thing. <laughs> no, dude, maybe I'm a fucking, uh, maybe I'm a, one of these PSYOP agents. I don't even know it. Uh, step eight, suspense, uh, which suspense is a big part of how Hitler was doing things too. Um, and, and I hate to say it, but kind of how Trump was doing things. I went to a rally of his here in Tucson and I, after going to the rally, I saw a lot of similarities of how he ran his rallies as to how Hitler did. And I think it's a hacky comparison, but it's actually pretty accurate as someone that's been to a rally. Hitler used to get everyone whipped up into a frenzy. He'd have music playing. Um, really hyped up music, which obviously the hyping music was way different back during the time of Hitler than it was today. Um, and he would show up late. Both of these guys showed up very, very late because you create suspense, you create anticipation. So uh, interesting little uh, element to that there too. Now, step nine, product and action concept. Um, so in this case, identical, identical front and back handbill will place Fill in the blank, security forces, shield in uh, the upper right corner. It's just kind of breaking down exactly how they're going to lay out 
the product action concept. Step 10, uh, pretest guidance methodology. Um, what do we got? Simple, random sample of this group citywide, whatever the group is. Again, fill in the blank. Um, and then the final step 11, protest. Oh, oh and I'm sorry, post-test guidance. Post-testing is the product uh, of this product will be with all other stage one products. There's all kinds of things that they look into when they are, uh, you know, trying to get exactly dialed in how the most effective psychological operation is going to affect the target audience analysis. Visual products are a massive, massive component. And you get, you know, we're talking newspaper, magazine production. Um, and again, this is from 2007. So obviously these things have evolved. Um, right. But- now just just move everything over to cyber stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So you're talking social media, TikTok, Instagram, yeah. all these things, right? Everything. Yeah, everything. Even the news, you know what I mean? It's it's still out there. The newspaper companies, now they're just online disseminating their garbage. Exactly. And what's funny is when that whole transition started taking place, uh, being online was was looked down upon compared to being in print, right? Right. Yeah. generation started yeah. favoring the print. And now no one gives a shit about newspapers or magazines, really. I mean, yeah, look at look at even books. That's kind of the same type deal, right? Like, I mean, they used to always flood property and all that garbage through your books and all that stuff. Not that they're not now, but now books too. They just moved online. Okay, now everything we hold all the psyops and propaganda right in the palm of our hands. Oh, for sure. Well, and that's that's what's really it's just crazy because I'm wondering where we're going to be when the metaverse comes, right? I mean, the metaverse is going to completely change how we take in information. Um, I think it already is, honestly. It, it, things are moving so much quicker. I was actually thinking we were watching uh, at my house here. We were watching, what was that damn movie? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And this is from the 80s. Classic, bro. Oh, it's great. And they, they have pay phones in that. And I was thinking, like, dude, we even had pay phones in the early 2000s, like when I was in middle school and shit. I remember calling my parents on pay phones. And now we've got insane levels of technology that make the pay phone look like it is a dinosaur piece of technology. But this is only I mean, I'm 30 years old. Um, This isn't that long ago, dude. This is what, 15 years ago? You know, that that is still a thing. I'm like, uh, I'm probably one of the like last generations that was probably born when there wasn't really too much internet by the time I was in like high school and stuff, we still didn't have internet until like right after high school. So it's kind of crazy, you know, that was back in what, like 94, 95. So there was some, but I mean, it wasn't normal. Did you guys have the computer class? Yeah, dude, but it was all just zeros and ones. Yeah. Might as well have been doing Commodore 64 stuff. I know. Well, and that's, what's crazy is that, yeah, we had the computer class too. And um, I don't know, man, it's it's just kind of wild to think about because I don't even think that they do computer classes anymore because every single kid is just like, it's kind of like a, taken for granted that the kid knows how to operate a computer. And my sister, um, you know, she's graduating high school. Um, they just get a computer on lease from the school, a little laptop that they do their homework on. You know what I mean? That, that's unthinkable yeah. when I was a kid. And I, I'm only 13 years older than her. You know what I mean? So it's crazy. It's going to be really interesting to see how school is conducted over the next few years. And it's going to absolutely affect how um, how information is disseminated. But 
you know, one of these really interesting things, and there's a few examples here that they show on uh, on the balance of information, whether it's newspapers or magazines or anything visual, right? Again, this takes place online too. Um, you've got the formal balance. Uh, this is just one of several, but formal balance is the uh, the contents equally distributed on either side of the optical center. It's a good uh, it's good for like dignity, conservatism, and stability, but lacks any kind of visual appeal. Here's an example here. It's very boring, very straightforward, but you get the sense that it's professional, right? Um, now, moving into some of the other ones, the informal balance, text and graphics are casually spread across the page. It's more dynamic and provocative. So this is kind of like if you're targeting a younger audience or, um, you know, some kind of audience that just thinks that they're cool or whatever, you're going to use this kind of stuff, right? Um, and, and, and you think, how did how did they find out even about this stuff? Obviously, probably most likely psychologists and all that type of stuff. They recruited too, I would say, you know, it's like, how deep does it really go? You know what I mean? There's a lot of people involved in this document. Oh, dude. Yeah. You got psychologists, you've got test groups, right? I mean, you've got, you've got tons of, of research going into all this stuff. Um, I mean, honestly, dude. Yeah. If you're trying to persuade people, all these different layouts have different places. But um, again, this is part of that target audience analysis. If you're targeting a younger group or a less professional group, out of these two, you're going to use the informal balance over the formal balance, right? Formal balance right. would be catered to young, uh, to older, uh, you know, kind of honestly more boring people. Um, the informal diagonal balance is another one too. Uh, the content is distributed diagonally across the optical center. An example would be to place the illustrations and text opposite each other on either side of the optical center so that one's kind of um, i mean you get the idea here again lots of pictures on one side and text on the other um what else here this one suggestive eye direction um this is kind of cool too so you get use tones shading and postures of figures to direct the eye it is the most effective technique because when properly executed the reader is not aware that his intention, that's very gender specific. I don't like that. I, I, they, should, they should include all genders here, but that's fine. Um, his, his attention is being manipulated. It is uh, subtlest, the subtlest form of eye direction. So in this example here, um, you know, you're, you're obviously going to start here, but where does your eye go right away? Mine goes to the darker one. I don't know about you. Even though it's lower, your eye drifts. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. So yeah, your your yeah. eye, eye drifts to this lower spot um, because of the shading, and then you move up to the lighter one. So that's the idea there. Another form of very studied, um, you know, examples of how this whole thing works out. Now, sequential eye eye direction. This one was interesting to me because you'd think when you look at this, your eyes would go from top, uh, from left to right, top to bottom, right? But according to the massive amounts of, of uh, you know, research that goes into this, you're going in a circle when when you're not when things aren't numbered. You're going to go from let's see if I can zoom out there. You're going to go from, you know, one, two, three, four, five, left to right and then right to left on the bottom. If there's no numbers involved, thought that was kind of interesting. Right now, mechanical eye direction when they want your eye to go into a specific direction, like they said, it's the most obvious, they're going to start and they're just going to simply direct your eyes in the direction using arrows. It's really basic, uh, basic, basic stuff. And I think those are the only ones that they had. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, that was the last one. But dude, what do you think about that, man? Because some of these, like this one right here, is really interesting to me. Where you're going, your eyes are attracted to darker shading. Yeah, it's just, it's just, in, you know, I always think like if they know this stuff. I mean, imagine just now, whoever's listening to this. And probably you too, Ryan, you'll never be able to watch like a commercial or see a print ad or anything again. Cause this will like trigger in your mind. You'd be like, Oh man, dude, just, I remember, I remember learning about this on this psyop manual. It's, it's weird. You'll start seeing them way more now for real. Like oh. after our last show, I was all the time. I couldn't watch anything without it. Me being like, Oh my gosh, this is what we were just talking about. Well, and it's nuts, man, because I, I, you know, you, you've gone through this document once, right. And it's almost, what's so brilliant about how these things work out it seems that we can know this information but if it's not like actively like something that we've like heard in the last couple hours we probably kind of forget about it right and then we just get sucked right back into the propaganda as a whole especially that eye direction i don't even think we could probably maybe we can control it but that's probably something that you know 50 percent of what we do is just we do it so i bet you that's just something that's natural to us and it's going to happen are you talking about the sequential eye direction or the? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think all of it, like all of them pretty much, they know for a fact, I mean, what they're doing. They put a, I mean, you think they're not paying a few hundred bucks to do studies like this. These are probably million and billion dollar studies, I'm sure, you know, and they're still studying it, I would think. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how it works with like the whole chips going into people's heads with Elon Musk getting involved so deep with Twitter. That's going to be a big but- deal, dude. You just you just get the pro, the propaganda and stuff downloaded to you, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's that one. Uh, what's that thing in uh, 1984? Um, George Orwell he writes something like, you know, the party's final most important command was that you don't believe your eyes and don't believe your ears. Like it, it's just like, no, you see that and you hear that, but it's not true. Your eyes and your ears are lying to you, and that is the most important yeah. aspect of propaganda. So. You know, he was a socialist, but he was definitely writing some predictive programming there for us all. Um, yeah, so- they always tell you, you know what I mean? They, they're not they're not afraid or ashamed. They they know how your, most people are going to react. So they, they're just put it out there. You have free will. Are you going to give it to them or not? I guess it's up to you. Yeah, well, and, and, and I think that people and we actually talked about this last night with the uh, Monday Night Master Debater show. People give up what they know is right for comfort. You know what I mean? Like people are just down to go for the easy way out always with very, very little exception. So, I mean that that's, and they know that that's part of the psychology here. Right. Um, for sure. We went through the, uh, the text writing quite a bit. Um, some of the images text writing is kind of interesting. It's a little different from the images, but, um, just basically, you know, good practical knowledge of the target audience language, um, is going to really get you to to know what language, what dialogue, um, what verbs, all the different words to use when you're doing that. Um, the writing is kind of the most straightforward, but then you get into audio and audiovisual assets. You know, uh, again, moving into the digital age, this is going to be a bigger component of it. Audio media, I'll tell you right now, dude, meme accounts and podcasts are huge in psyops today. Um, I can just say that without even really doing any research on it, but it's definitely something that's real. And they look into all these things like speed of the, the, you know, the layout of how things are right. If someone's talking quick, 
that's going to appeal to some younger people. People are talking slow, obviously older. Um, there's some advantages to all of these things too. Um, audio media, some of the advantages and disadvantages, you got speed, wide coverage, easy, uh, ease of perception, versatility, versatility, sorry. And then emotional power, some disadvantages, enemy restrictions, uh, jamming possibilities, right? I mean, like the enemy can jam or just restrict this stuff if you're working in their area. Technical issues, lack of radios in poorer countries, and then uh, fleeting impressions. So those are advantages and disadvantages of radio. Um, what else do we got here? There's radio, boom, boom. I think radio. it's interesting how how they use the like just even some of the wording, you know, emotional power. It's like, what, dude? You know, oh, a radio guy can control your emotions. It's stuff is it's just all so strange and how you can see they use all these things together like the heads of the hydra, you know, all all separate, but they're all really together. Well, and that's what's interesting about how all of these different uh you know methods are used, dude. It, it's who's doing it, right? Um and it is scary, man. It, it, that was the one the one that was listed here. I thought that there was one other um because there was it, there's obviously advantages and disadvantages with radio, with TV, um, with any kind of media if you're trying to pump information into someone certain things are going to be more effective in different aspects than others i don't know i mean obviously again memes i think are huge right now dude with uh oh for sure dude for sure then think like uh you got um you got a man i forgot what i was gonna say i'm trying to think yeah well i was just saying memes are huge with propaganda i don't know if that will spark the idea back but yeah memes are going to be pushed you can you can sit there and you can have a goofy meme account, something that's like fun and a lot of people are just into. There's one called um Puberty, I think, or I don't know if it's pronounced Puberty or Puberty. Um, but it's a English meme account from you know the UK. And these guys are constantly just posting funny bar videos, like at pubs, right? That's why it's called Puberty. And um, dude, they posted something about Ukraine the other day. And it's like, man, you guys aren't supposed to do this. And they've got millions millions and millions of followers. Um, You wouldn't really connect politics with these kinds of things. But then you get a bunch of, you know, goofy, drunk idiots like myself that watch this shit. And then even though, like, when they're least expecting some some propaganda pieces, they're going to get them through their entertainment. And I think that's a really effective method these days, dude. It's crazy. Well, if you think um, everything, I mean, we go... You're looking, say, not me, I don't know. Most people have Facebooks and all that. So you're looking at that, and they're going to push their narrative out. Then you turn on the news, and it's reinforced. You put on the music, you hear the same kind of stuff, reinforcing it. The commercials in between are. Your movies are. It's just all working together, just all to control your mind, which is creepy stuff, dude. And I heard a really... I listen to mostly comedy podcasts, honestly, but I, you know, they're not like buffoons. They're like kind of, there's this new wave of comedy podcasts that are sort of talking about the news a lot. Like they're joking and clowning on current events because you can't, there's nothing beat more the algorithm. What's that? To beat it, to probably beat the algorithm, right? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know why they do it. I mean, we're talking like Tim Dillon, Giannis Pappas, two shows that I recommend oh, okay, for, yeah. on a you know a weekly basis. I, I mentioned one of these guys and 
you know, they, what they say, they both share this theme where reality is so much funnier than any joke that you can create in your head. And that's why comedy is dying. That's why this, the art of, of yeah. the comedy movie or the stand-up comedian, it's dying because you can't add comedy to what's already funny. Like our lives are such bullshit right now, right? And, and that's not to say anyone's life isn't important. I think that life is the most important thing. But when you, I mean, just tell me I'm wrong and scroll through TikTok and, and tell me I'm wrong. You know what I mean? You'll see just 10 second videos of buffoonery. You know what I mean? It's insane. And it just makes you know, you what's crazy. Cra- country's what's crazy. Cra- Go ahead. What's crazy is, is how short everyone's attention span is. Like, yeah. that's another thing they're doing that people don't even realize is they're shortening. It. And now, I mean, what used to be maybe 20, 30 second videos are five, 10 second videos. Yeah. Well, and then I think that that's contrived for sure. And I'm sure that you would agree because when something's so short, you're going to watch it over and over again. Right. Yeah. And like, even if you just yeah. intend on watching it once, it restarts. And that even if you just watch it for a half a second or a fraction of a second, that counts as an additional play, right? In the right. algorithm. So like, instead of you watching it one time, you're likely watching it twice without even knowing because that, that whole thing is start started. over. Yeah. So it's crazy. And it, it's so deep, dude. And it's a, it's a fun thing to kind of learn about, especially like as a content creator, I, I try to do it in a more noble way than a lot of these other people. Cause you know, some people got to know about this, even if they seem dumb, They've got to know short form contents of shit. That's actually why I'm doing that, that news thing on YouTube. It's short form content, but um, I try to give like, you know, anti-establishment information on there. So I'm trying right, to right. use that weapon against them, but who knows? We'll see if it works. Um, I want to go through this example of understanding, um, you know, making sure that the uh, target audience will understand what the PSYOP is and understand the message that's being pushed. This is brilliant. I'm just going to read this whole uh, gray box word for word here because it is so interesting and they show how it could be done right and wrong, if I remember this correctly. But um, just to start off here, a PSYOP soldier is uh, pre-testing a handbill. The handbill target audience is the parents of school-aged children in the uh, Adhamia district. Am I pronouncing that right? You know, are you familiar with that district? Sure. Okay. No, it looks good to me. It sounded like somewhere in Iraq or Afghanistan or some, maybe somewhere you've been. I wasn't sure. But the Adhamya district, um, the SPO or the support PSYOP objective is target audience increased reports of terrorist activity. So they want the target audience to report what they think is terrorist activity here. The PSYOP. Say argument, something. Say something. That's a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> what was that done in New York? Uh, everywhere i think man they were running commercials for everywhere for that i think giuliani in new york was the starter of that though if i'm not mistaken i could be completely wrong but yeah dude, right. see really? something say something that's exactly yeah. this that's nuts dude good observation on that so um yeah see something say something basically so you know we could have just had you say that and i didn't have to even read that so good good observation um so the psyop arguments are based on an argument that the terrorists do not discriminate and will not hesitate to kill children for their cause, right? So now you're evoking emotion. Children are going to die if you don't fucking do this stuff. And the technique is a compare and contrast between the target audience reporting terrorist activity and the results of the target audience if the target audience does nothing. 
pretest dialogue may follow the scenario. Okay, so this is the PSYOP soldier here saying, what does the handbill tell you? TA member, target audience member says, it says that I should call this number to report terrorist. PSYOP soldier, why does the handbill say that you should do that? Target audience member, because my children are in danger from terrorists, and if I do nothing, they may die. So that's the way that they want it to be done. Um, as it says here, the above illustrates the PSYOP soldier has strong evidence that the argument is clearly delivered with this handbill. Consider the following negative or nonspecific response. This is what they do not want. First one was effective. This one's not. Uh, target audience member. Uh, yeah, the target audience member says, it says that children are going to die. The PSYOP soldier replies, how will they die? Who will kill them? Target audience member says, I don't know. It's not clear. In this picture, everything is fine. And the pic and in the, in this picture, children are dead. So they just see a picture of dead children. Um, you know, it's not it's not clear. You want to clearly make the connection that this group is the reason that the kids are dead. It's fucked up. Right. Go think about like remember the fake videos that they were putting out saying that they were fake from the ISIS. Some of those beheadings and all that were made. There you go. You know what I mean? That's like same type of thing. It wasn't children, but it was the same type of thing where hey. If you don't fund the government and or fund more money to the DOD, then guess what? This is the kind of stuff that's going to happen. And then we show we we show you everything in just fear, fear nonstop. That's the, that's the everything. Fear. Fear is the most potent potent emotion for sure. It's gonna you're gonna get more success exploiting fear uh, out of anything. I mean, that's how 9/11. That's how the Patriot Act came to play. Um, that's how we're on the edge of getting vaccine passports and digital IDs is because of COVID, right? I mean, they scared the shit out of a lot of people. I was actually kind of scared in the very beginning for like the first two weeks or so of, uh, of what, of how many people were going to die from this virus that remember the videos of people collapsing in China. We might've yeah, had in the, str in the street and all that stuff. Yeah. So there you go. There was some good propaganda that they were running. It was, I mean, on the level, they got 100%. They might have even gotten extra credit if this was like a fucking college test, dude. They they knocked it out of the park. And people are still, uh, you know, freaking out about it, man. There's still people, there's videos on YouTube and on Instagram of people wearing masks that believe in the mask and someone walks too close to them not wearing a mask and they want to fight them. You know what I mean? It's, it's insane. That's sad, right? It's very I couldn't imagine living in fear so much like that you know what i mean that's crazy to me why do you think that is why do you think that people live in, like it seems like some of these people actually get a get a rush off living in fear i think it's kind of like you know you got soldiers too that come back and miss their adrenaline dumps all the time same type of deal they're getting some kind of emotion or something off that that for some reason of hey i'm i can tell others what to do you know put your diaper on your face or whatever so you think it's kind of an authority type thing or or are you kind of making the equivalence to uh with social media today we get a lot of adrenaline dumps because this guy didn't strike me as a soldier or, or an ex you know yeah, right i think i think it's everything you got whatever they can use against you they will so if they can use your peers against you make you feel guilty hey man you're gonna kill some you're you're responsible you're gonna kill someone else it's all your fault okay well i guess i'll wear it or i don't want to stand out you know i mean i have people in my family all the time who will say 
hey, you know, I'll be like, why are you putting a mask on? Because you don't have to wear them here. And that happened for like over a year. But they're like, well, I don't want anyone, you know, to look at me the certain way or I'm just going to put it on just, just to make everyone feel better. And it's like, I don't know. I don't live my life that way. I just do what I want. And if someone doesn't like it, you get pissed off. I don't really care. Yeah, it fits into that whole thing where there's a, I forget what college it was. It's right on line with like the Milgram experiment, but it's, it's different, but it was run along that same time. The Milgram experiment was, if I'm not mistaken, it was where uh, people were willing to hurt other people if other people got the blame for it, right? If their superiors told, so like, let's say, you know, we're, you're a subject, I'm, I'm giving you some sort of test and I'm shocking you and you're saying that it hurts. Um, I don't have any problem shocking you to death right. if it's going to fall on my boss and it's not going to be me. I believe that's what the Milgram experiment is. I could be wrong, but um, this other test was that, you know, four people go into a room together and three of the four people are actors and there's one test subject and there's four lines on a piece of paper. One is clearly shorter than the rest. Um, and they say, which is the longest line? All the lines are different sizes. It's clear which which line is the longest. The three actors point to one that's shorter, and the guy, you know, the this test subject, knowing which line is longer in his head, agrees with those other three because he doesn't want to be called crazy. He doesn't want to be. Yeah. There. It's, it's a, got it's, that hive mind. Yes, dude. Yeah, the hive mind. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's um, real. Yeah, dude. It, it is very very real. So. That kind of wraps up uh, phase four. I hope that that's somewhat clear. Again, this is one of those things where, you know, it's not going to be 100% clear unless you read line by line and you kind of get your own understanding of what's going on. But doing our best to break this down here, moving into uh, phase five, which is actually a very short phase um, approval. So once a PSYOP series product prototypes are pre-tested and um, any changes are completed, phase five, known as approval begins. During the approval process, the PSYOP series package is assembled and an uh, internal review board is conducted. Once PSYOP leaders review and verify the appropriate changes have been made, the PSYOP series package submitted in um, submitted as a change to the PSYOP tab slash appendix is staffed out for review and signature by the official approval authority. Once approved, the PSYOP series becomes part of a fragmentary order or a fragord. That sounds like a creature from fucking Lord of the Rings right there. Um, it's issued and executed by the uh, supported units. So um, this one is very, very straightforward, but there are some interesting little things. I wanted to find, I'm going to go back and read this Operation Iraqi Freedom tab. But I think this is where they start talking about these bombs, the uh, the psyop bombs. Had you ever had you ever seen one of these things? Because you were thinking that they dropped them out of planes, and that could be very true. Um, yeah, that's our helicopters. That's that's how I always thought planes are helicopters. They just fly right over and dump them on out. You know, helicopters. They've got in each side door, dumping them. Interesting. Okay, I, I'm sure that that is absolutely one way that they do it, but. So, yeah, the bomb is in the next one. Um, I'm only going to read this uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, little, uh, you know, kind of a sighting back in history. Um, so in Operation Iraqi Freedom 2 and 3, 
uh, TPDD assigned to multinational division Baghdad supported a division with six brigades and attached tactical psychological operations detachments or TPDs. In addition, the provided limited support of the uh, core PCE adjoined Marine forces to the south, one TPD, the combined joint special operations task force and the TPC operated out of Mosul. Is that Mosul or Mosul? Mosul. Mosul. Okay, I thought so. I just don't want to mispronounce this shit. Um, in such a demanding, in such a demanding scenario, needing quick responses, the approval process had to be equally responsive to ensure timely approval. The chain consisted of the TPDD commander and TPC commander, the division IO chief, and the division commander. Judge Advocate General legal advisors were also uh, included in the review to ensure legal compliance, but had no authority in the actual approval. So that's kind of interesting. Um, From submission of completed series to approval, the production and dissemination, the entire approval process could be completed in only a few hours, depending on operating tempo. However, if the series was not a high priority, the time was not an issue. 24 hours was the customary time for the TPDD to receive a final decision. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting little thing. And again, all of this. And that's still, that's really fast, dude. Anything in the military that is getting, they're going to approve it in 24 hours. That's, that's quick. And that's a normal timeframe. I mean, you could put it in stuff and sometimes you won't even hear nothing for weeks. So that's quick. Interesting. Okay. Well, and that's why I thought that that was so important. I wanted to kind of get your, your uh, thoughts on that, but the there's, there's two steps to pre-approval in these SIOP programs, two simple steps, and I'm not going to go through them. Um, And then the uh, actual approval process, once it reaches approval, that is uh, what do we got? One, two, three, four steps. And um, it's actually five. I'm sorry. So yeah, dude, it's just um, they they once they want to get these things pushed through, they clearly get them done quick. And it makes a lot of sense that some of these things that that they say need to be pushed through. Like you said, some things take weeks. That's obviously by design. Right. If something's going right. to get approved, there's there's a reason why they want to make these things go slow. Oh, yeah, because you don't want to put in the wrong, wrong wording or something. If you I don't know, say like overseas. If we were in the Mideast, you don't want to be having a, a picture of, you know, Muslim people or eating or Jewish people eating pork. You know what I mean? That wouldn't go over too good. And and you're in their uh, in their psyop. So, I mean, that, that kind of stuff happens. I'm sure that they, you know, they submit things like that. And then they look, oh, man, dude, we put the wrong thing on here. This was supposed to be for Europe. You know, that's I'm sure that's how it works. And flip it. I was wondering earlier when we were talking about. If they in Asia, I wonder how it works with the eye direction when they read up and down. If it's different, if it's different, or if it's the same, that'd be interesting actually because they make it seem like it is just the one. And then Jewish people do that too. Jewish people, Hebrew is read from uh, right to left, right to left, right? Yeah, most other so, languages, it seems like Eastern religions, especially, they go right to left, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, dude, that's a good question. I think that this is something that's deep within the brain because whether you whether you're reading left to right or up and down, um, there, I'm sure that the left brain versus right brain thing over in the it's east still is still the same. 
It's got to be right. I mean, what do you think? I I don't know. That's what I was wondering. I was like, that that's pretty wild. I wonder how that would be if that would affect it. You know, if your eyes always moving from right to left instead of left to right, if that would affect the way it moves all the time. I don't know. Hmm. It just makes you think that there's got to be the. Well, I don't know. I, to me, it seems like every human, like the same way that we have the same like basic needs, the base, the same basic wants. Like we want our next generations to do well. Unless you're a sociopath. Right. We want to be healthy. We want, um, I mean, most people actually want love. Some people don't, it seems like anymore with all the porn that's out there. But, you know, it seems like most people have the same basic wants and desires. So in my mind, I think that that, you know, basic way that your eyes would follow a page uh, would be the same no matter where you come from. Same. I would think so, man. But you, you bring up a good point actually um clearly the arrows the mechanical layout of the page you know if an arrow is going and telling you where to look that is that's a no-brainer obviously but um going in a circle or following a page a certain way um but with absolutely no proof of any of that i'm gonna say i think it's the same you know what i mean (laughs) it probably is man i can't disagree i have no idea you know yeah it's a good question i'm sure it is man you think dude i'm sure that they just know the basic human they got us so figured out that they they know they know everything. I mean, I'm sure about our. They act like they don't, but as far as our behavior and thought process, I mean, how much of it is taught to us too from the time we come out of the womb and they grab us and shove us in the school system, you know? Well, and there's got to be a universal language, right? And I think that that's what these guys tap into because, like you said, when they when we're when right when we're out of the womb, they've got to have some basic level of understanding. Of like, yep. yeah, motherfuckers speaking English and this one's speaking Chinese. But you know what? There's something at the base level of each one of these animals, because that's how they see us as cattle, right? right. Mm-hmm. There's there's something at the base level of all these things. Just like a cow in China is probably going to act very similar to a cow in the United States. Um, I don't know. Have you ever seen, dude, the uh, this is a little off topic here, but it ties right in with what we're talking about. Uh, Yuval Harari uh, speaking for uh, at the World Economic Forum. He's like Klaus Schwab's right-hand man. No, I haven't even seen him, I'll be honest. So I did, uh, I, did a, I think it was a Patreon episode that I did uh, going through one of his speeches. And he's a, a homosexual atheist, but he references God so many times in his speech. And he's saying, God wants us to do this because, you know, it's not really put out there that he's that he's an atheist. It's pretty obvious that he's homosexual, which, you know, I I don't have anything against homosexuals. But it is interesting when you get someone uh, there is a there's a very disproportionate amount of homosexuals at that top level. Um, Not saying that all homosexuals are evil. It's just very interesting that I mean, gay people make up like less than one percent of our society as a whole. And at the highest levels of society, at the leaders, the leadership, there is a ton of at least bisexual individuals. Um, so it's just an observation that I made. But this this guy also being an atheist, referencing God so much, saying that this is God's will, he's he's referenced humanity as rats. And he says in this speech, if the rats find out what we're trying to do to them, we're going to be burned at the stake. You know what I mean? It sounds like kind of what George H.W. Bush said a while ago, right? Like if these people found out what we're doing to them, we'd all be at the end of ropes. Right. Yep. Be hanging. Yeah. So well, this- I would I would say who, well, when I always hear these elites talk and they say things like that, I always think, well, 
what what God are you referencing? You know what I mean? Like we just take it as, oh yeah, he's talking about the God of the Bible or whatever, but that might not be who they're talking about. They just know we assume that. Yeah, they're probably honestly knowing how they operate. It's probably like Shiva the Destroyer or Kali or something like that. One of those or Moloch or Baal, something weird. You know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And then I always think so many of those old things are all the same one too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, all the sun worship and all that shit. That's what Tamusa, Mm -hmm. right? And um, I'm actually going to really learn more about the religion. I'm going to talk with a cool lady, um, Susan Bradford, pretty soon. And she's going to kind of break down how some of these people uh, worship all the Hindu gods. And those Hindu gods are actually demons by their own admission. They're avatars that possess. So when Hindus pray, they're actually praying to demons, admittedly. Like they know that they're praying to what they call avatars, but our, you know, Western religion would see them as demons. And this is where like, you know, Madame Blavatsky steps in and you get all this weird shit. Um completely off topic right but i mean it, it has something to do i think with the way that spirituality is being pushed and um christianity is being persecuted right i don't know where you fall on the religious spectrum dude i'm agnostic but i mean it's just it's an interesting thing i grew up um i grew up protestant when i was younger i went to church my whole life until i was i don't know probably 19 or 20 so i know the bible pretty good but I mean, my thing is, I do think man took it and used it for something like anything, perverted it and all that. I still read the Bible. I try to follow the scriptures, you know, the New Testament, try to be a, a good follower. Because I think anyways, it's it's only going to help your morality. When I was real ill for a long time, that's what helped me get through a lot, I'll be honest. Because there's a lot of things in there. It's like, hey, man, don't quit. Just be strong, dude. Don't worry about these guys. And it talks about the dark stuff, too. So I always think it's like Lord of the Rings, man. Really? Like in what? Yeah. Like I well, like when I read the Old Testament, that's how I think. Like I think, man, like with Noah and all that, that was weird stuff. Like you're getting into, you know, what you're getting into the the Nephilim and all that, all that crazy stuff like that. And then you got the New Testament, and that seems to me more like that was for us. And it's that's how I don't I don't know how to explain it. Like they have men has stepped in and tried to put themselves in the place of of God. You know what I mean? Like they want you to go to them and, and look to them. And you think how much of that started out just as psyops or blackmailing and all these other outside purposes. But I think if you just follow that, follow what it says and, and you don't let men get in your way and you should develop that relationship with the guy upstairs. Uh, I mean, from my own experience, I mean, he healed me with a lot of things that shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. You know, I'm lucky. And that was one thing that was interesting when you and I first started speaking, you showed me, I mean, you showed me a a scar that you had, you know, it seemed like a fresh. Oh yeah, here, I'll show you. It's a good one, dude. Oh, Oh, shit. From here all the way to there. And then I got the holes, the tubing holes there, 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 there. One in my back, I think too. Damn, dude. My bad, I did that a little late. Holy shit! Yeah, no, and it was a it was a weird image to see because I think that you still had the stitches when you with the picture. Oh that you yeah, initially showed me. Um, so to say the least, uh, you probably you beat the odds by being here today, right? I mean, I would say at least. Oh, uh, they. This is the honest truth. They um, 
they told my family that I wasn't going to make it, that, uh, I was so full up of, uh, yeah. I told my, my wife too. They had the guy, um, they had their, like, uh, their chaplain is what they call him. They had him come in and sit with me and everything. Cause they thought that I was, I was gone, man. Like I was, I was in ICU for about five, six months straight. Like I didn't go home. Like it, I was so ate up with infection. I didn't eat for, I wasn't able to eat for like six, seven months. They didn't even feed me anything. I couldn't eat or drink. I was getting fed through my veins at first. And that was for like about, uh, that went on for about a month and a half, two months. Then after that, I went to, I just had a food pump. And then I had to be able to take so much food and be able to hold it in my stomach. And it's like 20 units an hour or something or something like that before I could go home. So it was kind of, it was crazy, man. And I, I did go somewhere, man. When I died on the table, I did code and I went somewhere, man. And it wasn't like, I didn't have the same experiences like a lot of people talk about. Mine was all of a sudden it was dark. And then there was a little light, like a star I saw in the distance. Next thing you know, I was there and there was these three ginormous beings, man. That was crazy. One had a book, one had like a fire sword and the other one had a staff. It was weird, man. Weird stuff. Told me it wasn't my time to to go and that they were the guys like in the in between and it was their job to watch what's going on in between that's what they kept saying they told me i had to come back and i wasn't done and i'm glad they did man and i came back so woke up and everything from that point went crazy man like my everything started turning around like and i don't know if that's because my mindset in itself was changing but it i mean even with my ptsd when i came back i had ptsd so bad when I came back, I would never even be able to sit on this thing and have a conversation with you, man. I would be so stressed and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. Now it's not even an, an issue for me to come on here. It's like almost when that, when that happened to me, it's almost like it just changed everything. It's like, almost like, I feel like that had to happen to me so I could change and become the person that I needed to be. Wow, man. So, do you ever have panic attacks or anything like that? Just oh, yeah. I used, I used to have them constantly, man, like four or five times a week. I'd have them. I mean, sometimes they have them two or three times a day. Like I couldn't, I used to not be able to even go to a store. I'd drive down the road, see a trash bag on the side of the road or a dead animal. And I'd be, my brain would be telling me it's an IED. It's a, you know, I'd be definitely wigging out from it. But now, I mean, it still affects me, but it's just after being through everything I went through, it's like, I don't know, those kind of things don't affect me as much as they did. Were you, were you very religious before that? You know what I mean? Or did that kind of um, I mean, I would, like, as far as religious, I wouldn't say I was religious. I would say, I don't know, I guess more spiritual where I pray every day, uh, two, three times a day. I pray. I always try talking to the, to the guy upstairs. Even if I'm driving in the car by myself, I'll be sometimes just be talking to him. Probably people probably think I'm crazy, but that's how it works. Yeah, I just, I really think he just needs volunteers, man. And he's like, hey, here's a dumb son of a bitch that won't quit. Let's see it. Let's let him do it. No one's, no one's done this before. Let's let him. He won't quit. Let's see. You know, I really, that's how I feel. And he wound me up and let me go because I was one. And I've always been this way. It doesn't matter how many times life grabs me and throws me down and chokes me, man. I'm going to do everything I can to get back on my feet again. And if it's a hundred times I get knocked down, then I'll get up 101 times. I don't care. You know what I mean? And, and that's how my whole attitude on everything was. 
I like that. It's really interesting. And it's funny that you say, you know, it's not religious, it's more spiritual. Um, we'll get back into this shit. I'm just really interested in, in what you have to say. Yeah, no, no problem, man. No problem. Um, it's funny that you say the whole thing about like, it's not re- religious, it's spirituality type stuff. Cause I actually think that spirituality has something to do with how far away we are falling from like order in, in the world. Personally, I just think that it has something to do with it because I see the most spiritual religions out there are Hinduism and Buddhism from what I've gathered. I'm sure that there's some others. Um, there's there's some people I think that have kind of infiltrated those the same way that Catholicism was was infiltrated. And for the record, I think if we're going to take any religion and and you know make it like take the closest religion to Satanism or Luciferianism, I would say it's Catholicism. Personally, I think that it's a, a pretty damn dirty religion. I think that there's some really bad stuff. Oh yeah, dude, there there's bad stuff, man. Dark Horrible. stuff. And so, in the same way that these spiritual religions worship multiple entities, the the Catholics do the same thing with the saints, right? Right. Um, right. They deify these men, and then they, you know, so that's an interesting concept. But I'm I'm trying to learn more about it, dude. As I said, I'm agnostic. I lean more towards Christianity. I lean more towards like, you know, I I just I talk with God too myself. But I don't know what I'm talking to. I don't know if it's like some like animal deity. I don't know if it's a, a human, someone that that kind of looks like us. I don't know. Um, I just, I you know what? I just, I always think he's just. I just think he's my creator. That's how I think, and that's who I always think I'm talking to, my father. And I always will say that when I pray. You know, Father. You know, you know I don't want to talk to nothing else. <laughs> that's that's who I want to talk to. The, the head honcho. You know what I mean? Interesting. So you don't say God, you say Father, huh? That's that's mm-hmm. a good way, I think. Yeah, I, I say Father because I I don't I don't know. That's just the way that I was always taught. You know, like when I pray, you father, my Father is in heaven. You know, and whatever whatever else follows. And I never had any of those like pre written prayers or anything like nothing like that. It's always just pray from. I've always been taught since I was little. You just pray from your pray for your heart. You know what I mean? Pray from your heart and pray for other people and and it'll help you as well and i and i don't know there's something in all that man maybe it's just something where if all of us are focusing our energy and a huge prayer you know what i mean that's going to do something if we're all thinking about the same thing how it all works i don't know you know there is something weird about the uh the pre-written prayers right i mean it seems almost like a spell yeah yeah like that's like to me like if when you read like the bible it says you pray from your heart so it's like why would i be reciting this thing it's not even true it's not even really true you know what i mean there's certain things you should be thankful for i think you know and tell you hey thanks you know but a lot of that other stuff that they put in there is just some of it's worshiping like you said idols false prophets weird stuff you know they want to make everything super hard when you like i really think it's super easy man it's just he's over here you're here you just hook up the bridge that goes in between you two and that's how i think and you go to him by his son that's how i think through jesus interesting Interesting. that's how i think if you really want to know like how i think about things it's crazy man when i was sick i read a lot of stuff so how like i really think like now this is probably out there um that like in the garden of eden when that all happened we were created and all that satan did come but i don't think it's like a snake and like all that stuff that people say 
I think that he came and he perverted something. I don't think we were like this, like how we are now. And I think that we were put in this meat suits or whatever, that we were kind of spiritual before. And then we were thrown into meat suits after all that stuff. Then you have your Nephilim that come. And I think that's when they were having sex and everything with the earth women. And they started corrupting the bloodline because the devil already knew that Christ was going to return and that his son, his son was going to return. So the only way that I could stop that is how I just totally get this DNA out there, this other DNA that he didn't create. So it's co-mingling. So he can't come back. So we're going to take over. Our bloodline's going to take over the, the humans almost. You know what I mean? That's how I think it, it was. So his son had to come back because of that to purify the blood. So when he died and, and it says like, you know, it's, it has to go with faith when he died it, and you either believe he was a pure man his whole life or he wasn't. And if he was really a pure and he was a, like a, a deity or God himself, he died. Hey, man, that's going to start the game over. So basically, I think it had to happen for that to start over the game over again. So then that's where we're at today. That's really how I think. And those evil things are still around. They're still up the upper, upper top of the pyramid controlling people and whatever else, however else they work, you know, I don't know what else they can control. And I think they'll trick you and they'll act like they're your loved ones sometimes or whatever and come as spirits and everything. But I think it's all the same thing. Just like when we're talking about like Kali and all those other demon things, I think it's all the same thing. It's all the same. It just has different names, but it's all the same. Huh. There's so much more interesting than like yeah and like then what we were like started out talking about dude it's it's crazy to because you know i've been actually finding myself kind of talking about religion and and this shit a lot more and like you know some people call it spirituality i just don't like that word for some reason there's some reason why i'm kind of more like you know because it's like i said dude it's been corrupted yeah no i know what you're saying because like the new age people they take it and they use it all the time too and twist everything like Is something that like a man made up you know what i mean like that's how like when i hear religion like what's it's like i only think there could be what's that you cut out for a second what's the thing that man made up you just said i said when i hear like religion the word oh, religion yeah. that's like how i that's like how i think of it it's like something that that man got in there and weaseled his way in you know and said hey if i can make these people think that i'm like some special guy or whatever then you know like the old like they used to do that stuff you know i mean you think how long they held on to the bible man and if you printed it or whatever they kill you dude it's like hey there's a reason for that that there's something to that you know definitely dude definitely um dude before we roll into the rest of this shit uh, we're gonna wrap up the uh the last two steps pretty quickly um do you mind talking about how you got so injured? Is that something that you're that you're comfortable sharing? If not, no pressure, dude. We can talk no, about I don't it care. in private. But I'm just I'm curious. I'll be, I'll be honest. It wasn't even like how I got hurt. They don't even know, and I don't even know how I got hurt, man. I was healthy. I just graduated. I went to college. Just graduated college, and the week before, I came home and went to. It was summertime. It was in July. I went. Uh, with my daughter to Home Depot, man, picked up a bunch of mulch, came home, was taking it out of the Jeep. Next thing you know, I said, man, I don't feel good. And she was little, man. She was only like seven, I think. 
And I said, dude, you probably want to go inside. I'm going to start Ralph. So I started puking, man. And then I didn't even, and then once that started and I didn't feel sick before any of this, I took maybe 20 steps into the house and I must've passed out, man, because I don't remember. And thank God, my daughter, she had enough sense. She got, she was only seven, but she unlocked my cell phone and called my wife. So my wife was, she kept saying something was wrong with me. My wife didn't know what she was talking about. My wife worked right down the street. So she came home and she said, I was already, by the time she got home, I was already orange, man. My skin was all orange from all the, what is that? The Billy Rubin or yellow. I was so yellow. My eyes, my skin, everything was yellow and orange from all the Billy Rubin and the poison. Yeah, it was already through me. So yeah, it was crazy, man. And they don't know what happened. They still don't know. They have no idea. What the fuck? Yeah, nothing. They thought maybe it was, they want, you know, they have a theory that maybe it was some kind of big stone that went down and just tore everything up. But, but I've, I've had other doctors like, man, that's not going to happen because no one ever found any stones or any fragments of any stones in you, you know? So it's, it's weird, man. I really sometimes think whatever happened, it, it had to happen to change me. Cause man, I'll be honest, dude, I was in a low place, man. I, I was, uh, this is no lie. When I got home from Iraq, about uh, I was okay for maybe two, maybe a year or two, and then everything just went to shit, bro. Like my marriage, and I'm married to this, I'm I'm remarried to the same lady, but we were divorced for almost five years because she couldn't take me, man, because I was just so like uh, adrenaline, you know, adrenaline guy. Always, I could only, I'd only sleep two hours a night, man. That was it. I mean, I'd always be raging and pissy and stuff. And it's like, it was crazy. It was just crazy times. I mean, and I went bankrupt, like I said, we lived up north and then uh, we took off, took off, came down south. And then uh, we lived separately. Then we lived together and then stuff started happening. And now we're remarried again. We got remarried, I want to say probably two or three years or four years ago now. But it's like, it's... And I was sick. That originally happened to me. I think about, man, it's been a while now, like five, six years ago. That happened. So it's, it's, it's been crazy, man. What's that? Yeah, she, no, she wasn't two. She was, my daughter is 15 now. Oh, she, she was, was seven. about, yeah, she was seven. So that was probably, yeah, six years ago. Okay. Sorry. Her, I thought no, her, Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah, no, that's yeah. insane. Because, yeah, I was going to say, dude, if she was two and fucking did all that shit, that is insane. It's still. Yeah, weird. no, dude. I, I mean, I, she would be on uh, some TV shows. <laughs> I know, dude. She'd be like a freaking, like, yeah, like a savant of some kind, right? Like, yeah, I mean, for real. Seven and having the sense to do that is, is incredible, man. And then, dude, like, honestly, man, congratulations on getting back with your lady and stuff, too. That's a really inspiring story, honestly. Thanks, crazy. Thanks I did man. Well, to be honest, dude. <laughs> Oh, it's all right, man. It's cool, dude. Hey, whatever's interesting. You know what I mean? And it's funny how I'm not are talking about this. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. That's what's so cool about yeah. these episodes, dude, is like, you know, just sometimes the ship just pops up. And yeah, I, just like, I where like it hearing wants those to stories. Go. Yeah, dude. I love hearing those stories, man. And and it, you seem to have turned it into something positive, man. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's crazy to hear that, dude. Crazy. I just think we all have a choice, dude. You know what I mean? And, and what's, what's really cool. else they said they always they've never seen anyone make it through with all like all the different things i had going on i had like by the time they were done it was like five or six different things and uh 
there was a younger guy that had just two of the elements that I had and he was 23 or 24. So I'd ask about him every day, you know, Hey, how's that guy doing? Is he still doing it in there? Yeah, he's doing good. All right, cool, man. It was only about three weeks and he was half my age, man. And he, he died. And that's like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? When I'm like, Hey, how's it? the guy down the hall that's got what you kept telling me I got, uh, he didn't make it dude. It's like, Oh man, you know? But I, I don't know what my wife could tell you. I just have the mindset, like when the doctors would tell me you can't do this, it's like, I'm doing it, man. I'm doing it right now. Watch me. That's how I am. You know, like I told her when I had to go to physical therapy, they put me in this place. They call it physical therapy, like a home, dude. It was like a nursing home, bro. It was straight up crazy. And uh, they had to do a, a baseline evaluation of you. So I was in a wheelchair still. And one of the things was you had to walk like the length of the room and come back to your wheelchair using like a walker. The other thing was you had to be able to lift your body weight and then you had to be able to ride a bike for so long. And I told my wife, I said, hey, two things are going to happen. Either I'm going to do all this shit right now and I'm going home. I said, or I'm going to die of a damn heart attack here. I really don't care. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I went down there. I rode the bike twice as long. This is just the baseline. And I asked him before what I had to do to get out of there before I went into the therapy room to be, you know, to try to outsmart them in a way. Like, what do I have to do? What's my goals when I go home? Oh, I got to do how many of this? Oh, 50, 50 reps of this. So, all right, I get out of my first time. I'm doing 75. That's my mindset. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, I don't care. I'm not staying here. And I did, I did all that stuff. And then when I was done, I said, Hey, that's what I had to do to go home. So I'm ready to go. And they're like, no, it don't work that way. You're going to, you're going to have to stay here like at least a few weeks. So I went and signed myself out like two days later with a, with a food pump and everything and came home, took care of myself at home. Man, good for you, man. That's just crazy. It's crazy to hear that, but fuck. I mean, I guess there's, like you said, if it's not your time, it's not your time. Um, I've been in a car accident that was pretty rough, but I mean, nothing near that, you know, I just hit my head really hard. I could have absolutely died in, in that situation, but um, hit my head hard. I don't know if I got thrown out of the vehicle or not, you know, just one of those things where it's like, you know, what, what happened. Right. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, bounce back. My shoulders still fucked up three years later, two, two, three years later, something like that. And, uh, yeah, dude, it's, uh, it's a scary thing. Well, yeah, I guess Biden was, uh, was not president yet. So about had to have been three years later. Um, yeah, that so. sucks, dude. Hey, it happens, dude. But like you said, and, and it did change my mind uh, about life in a big, big way. So, you know, sometimes those kind of situations are actually a blessing in disguise, man, for sure. But um, yeah, that, that's how I feel, too, man. I feel like that's almost like a you're at a crossroad, dude. Like you could choose to be miserable and let and look at all the shitty things. You know what I mean? Or you could be like, man, what good does that give me to? be shitty and negative about all this stuff. You know, it doesn't do me any good. I'm just going to think about, put good shit in, keep bad stuff out and just look at my goal and just keep going no matter what. And then I always think you'll make it, dude. You know, it may take you twice as long, but you'll get there sooner or later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. Good for you. Again, congratulations. How the fuck do we get back into PSYOPs after that? How do we do that? I don't know, man. You can just edit it out, dude. Put the other one for us, some other shit. No, man. I, <laughs> I, I like that because it was just an organic thing that just popped up. And I think people need to hear that kind of stuff. Um, I guess we just jump right back in, dude. Uh, yeah, jump. We'll just go right to it. Right. So we left off with phase five. Right?
one. All right. Crazy little side story there, but we are continuing patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. A little bit of a fall off over there because I know money is hard to come by. And I'm so honored that people that are downgrading their payments or they're having to leave. You're all telling me, hey, man, you know, money's hard to come by right now. I'm sorry. I hope to be back. And I appreciate that. You don't have to do that, guys. I'm not pressuring you. I just like the support and I appreciate it very much. Head over there and I'll talk with you guys at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. See you folks.